You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, the professor of family baptism, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? Oh, I feel very distinguished. <laughs> oh, good. Well, speaking of distinguished guests, the first lady of the Griffin household, Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? Never been better. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to be the first lady of our household. How are you, Adam? That's the real question. Oh, wow. Thanks for asking, Chelsea. I'm feeling good. You know what? I don't love wearing headphones this long. I feel like uh, I could use with a little ear space, but other than that, I'm doing good. If you had hair, it would give you cushion. Yes, that's what I need. Uh, If toupees would come back in style, actually, I'd feel much better. You know, Cassie, Chelsea and I have talked several times about maybe when we go on a family vacation, the far enough away where we wouldn't know anybody that I could try try one out. out. (laughs) Yeah, just try one out for a week and just see if people notice if I get a lot of stares. And if it's the good kind or the bad kind, I don't know. I think if you find one that's a mullet, since those are back, oh. then you're, you're gold. No one's going to second guess a mullet. My goodness, this is a great this is a great idea. In fact, we could ask our listeners, what's the best hairstyle wig for me to try? And then we could maybe uh, try one on a vacation and see if any of them pass the test. Like I want to see you with frosted tips like you had in college. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Those we are not professionally throw, done. We might need to throw a picture of Adam in college in on oh, the show notes. You wouldn't even recognize me. Uh, Cassie, you may never remember this, but there was a staff meeting once. Where oh, I, I remember. Of, where I had a picture of myself in high school, and Liz, who was on our staff, looked at it and goes, who is that? And I said, that's me. And she goes, oh, my goodness. Adam, you were handsome. <laughs> and I was like, "Were what a past tense insult. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> I think you're getting handsomer all the time. Oh, thanks, babe. You're the I best. love your, your salt and pepper beard. Oh, I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm on it. I think it's. I'm it's, starting to feel like a third wheel, guys. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, we're trying to we're trying to work our way up to a just for men sponsorship at the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can get a toupee uh, sponsor. <laughs> Gosh, that would be great. Free toupees. If they'll send me a box of samples, I would try yes. them all. Well, ladies, today we've got an important topic. Uh, is my child? Is my son or daughter? Is my kid ready to be baptized? So let's get started. All right, today I want to tackle a big question. For those in the believer's baptism world, uh, this is going to be a question maybe you've asked a lot. But first, let's talk about why this episode might still be a worthwhile listen for someone who practices what we call pedo-baptism or the baptism of infants and babies. Chelsea, why don't you kick us off? What what can a pedo-baptist expect to get out of a conversation about, is my kid ready to be baptized? Sure. I, I feel like I'm, I have the, the expertise and the knowledge here. If you baptize babies, then I would like to say your baby is ready. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a yes no this is a short episode for you yeah. yes yeah. yes if the child is born it's ready absolutely <laughs> dunk it <laughs> that's great uh but seriously do you think there's anything that somebody who baptizes children might get out of the conversation we're about to have that can be helpful for them in their parenting or even in this discussion Sure. Well, if if you do practice infant baptism, so just to be clear, we don't, but I'm not mad about it. And so if you do practice that, I think it's really great since your kid doesn't remember that. That's a milestone. Baptism is a milestone. And so it'd be great to share some memories of that day or pictures of that day and explaining 
you know, why you did that and what your hope was in baptizing your child as a baby. And so explaining, you know, whatever that means to you guys about your faith and your family and your commitment to raising them in the church. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but including your child on the importance of that day since they don't remember it. And then, you know, for a believer's baptism, that for us is a milestone of professing your faith, right? And so um, finding ways to commemorate the profession of faith. If, you're, if your child yeah. is, is beginning to, to take on their own faith, how will you commemorate that and celebrate that to make that really special? That's great. Yeah, I think any, any parent, it's a worthwhile conversation uh, to make some judgment call or some question or some evaluative idea about how is your kid's faith? Well, where are they at? And, and then to determine what does that mean for your rite of passage, for if, if you're a church uh, that practices confirmation or first communion, or if you're a church that practices a, a purity ceremony or some other kind of common uh, rite of passage, or just uh, entering them into manhood, talking about, or womanhood, talking about where is their faith, and then having some equipping, which I'm really excited about hearing from Cassie on this today, because this is what you do all the time, and I know you're so good at it, but some equipping around this I think will be helpful to anybody. Cassie, before we jump into answering the question, why is this an important question to ask? Uh, well, because baptism is important. So baptism is, it's an important part of our faith. And we remember our baptism. I mean, I practice remembering that milestone as often as I can, because it reminds me that I am now alive in Christ, no longer alive to my sin. I'm dead to my sin and alive to Christ. It reminds me of my identity and who Jesus is and um, who I am in him as a daughter of God. And so um, I think that as a milestone in the life of a believer, it's really important for children who are growing up in Christian homes who are ready to take steps of obedience in their faith uh, for their parents to be equipped to know when is the right time so that they don't have to wonder if it was a genuine profession, if they were ready, um, but that it would just be something that is really celebrated by the whole family. And we'll we'll talk about, you know, different ways of doing that here in a minute. But the point is that it's important because that we believe baptism is important. It's an important milestone in the life of every believer. And so we want to steward that milestone well in the life of our kids. Excellent. Yeah. And I think we as parents want to know the answer to this question that sometimes is mysterious. Uh, I think Spurgeon talked about the reason he evangelizes everyone is because he doesn't get to know who's saved and who's not. That's right. There's no, there's no physical marking on our outside. There's no blood test to see. There's no uh, intellectual test that someone has to pass in order to say, well, this person is definitely saved or not. And so this is a, a question of discernment. And it's an important one worth navigating. But we're not on this episode even going to guarantee here's the Here's the uh, pH test to see if your kid is a believer. Here's, here's how you do it. But I think there is some wisdom around this that'll be really helpful. Chelsea, do you want to summarize for us as we get started? What has this conversation looked like in the Griffin house so far? Yeah, um, all of our kids give assent to what we are teaching them in the scriptures. However, their faith hasn't really been challenged um, by the world or you know, by their life for them to really think hard about whether or not what we're teaching might not be true. And so our kids nodding along as we teach the Bible doesn't 
doesn't make us feel like, oh, they need to be baptized. But um, we have had talks with them and our kids have attended services where they watch people be baptized and share their story. And I think that's been important for them to see. And, they, and they've seen kids their own age um, get up and share their story and get baptized. So they totally understand um, that this is something that they can do, that it is, it is not um, something that's only for adults, even though most of the baptisms they've seen have been adults. And so um, we just chat with our kids and, and we've also told our kids, you know, if you ever feel like, wow, I need to get baptized, like come, come tell mom and dad. Um, so we can talk about, you know, why and and just explore it with you. And so um, we've just kind of left the door open and uh, told them that they can come talk with us about it anytime. Something That's you good. said is really important. And that is that your kids see baptism. And so I feel like in a lot of churches today where there is children's programming, which we have children's program at Northway, but um, kids could grow up in the church and never see a baptism unless parents mm-hmm. are taking them into big church. And so, um, you know, at Northway, we actually on our celebration Sundays where we have baptism and parenting commission or parent commissioning, we don't have our elementary programming so that it's an invitation for those kids to come and see the church celebrate, see parents commissioned in the command to disciple their kids and uh, see believers baptism. And we just think it's really important for them to experience that because it, if they never see it, then they're not going to ask questions about it. Really the only mm-hmm. time they're going to talk about it is when we are talking about Jesus being baptized in scriptures or different other, you know, other testimonies in the new Testament of, you know, households being baptized or, and so I just, I love that you guys do that. I think it's really important for our, our parents and listeners to hear that that is something that they need to consider taking their kids in on baptism Sundays and so hopefully your church is baptizing people and yeah. your kids are getting to experience and see that theology work itself out in the life of the church. Yeah, hopefully people are coming to faith in your church. I think that's a, that's a great thing to be praying for. If you're at a church where the only people getting baptized are the kids and they're able to see that, that's great. But also our goal is to make disciples. And so if your kids not only get to see baptism service, but get to see mom and dad share the gospel with an adult, or a kid who does not know Jesus, man, what an opportunity for them to see the whole process. As you read uh, Philip and the eunuch, I think that that story comes to life when your parents are Mm -hmm. explaining the gospel to somebody or talking with their kids about what they'd like to see, not only in the kid's heart, but in the lives of those friends and relatives who don't know Jesus. You're inviting them into that entire process. Well, Cassie, you've already demonstrated this. You are, uh, I'm serious, you are an expert in this. You are the person that I lean on. You're the person I look to, to have this conversation. Knowing that, knowing how much experience you have having this conversation with kids, how do you answer that question for a parent? How, how can a parent know if their child is ready to be baptized? Well, uh, I think there are several ways to know if your child is ready. First of all, if they are initiating the conversation, I think that's a good sign of readiness. So as a parent... I would caution other parents to towards just not just being patient and not uh, putting this onto your children or uh, trying to manipulate or force your kid to think about something they're not ready to think about. Uh, so it's okay if they're nine or 10 or if they've already even surpassed the age you were when you were saved and baptized to just keep discipling them and praying for them and then to keep bringing them into uh, church services where they get to see baptism. Eventually, they'll grow curious enough to ask about it, and and so I, I think that's the first step, right? Is if a kid is curious and they're starting to ask questions about baptism, you know, a lot of kids at our church will ask um, around communion as well because 
we believe communion is something that, you know, we reserve for believers, those who profess faith. And so right. a lot of times that's when the conversation starts is when a kid asks, you know, well, when can I have communion? And when, and so then that will kind of talk about, you know, well, are you professing faith and do you want to get baptized? So I think around, if your kid is starting to show uh, interest around the sacraments of the church, then that means maybe they're ready and they're at least ready to start talking about what it means uh, to follow Jesus and and to take that step of faith and obedience. The other thing I would say about readiness for baptism is that they uh, understand what the gospel is and they can articulate it. And so we have a class at Northway. Hopefully your churches have a class. I know Eastside probably has a family baptism class. Everything that I've learned was while I was on staff at the village. Um, and so that, that next-gen staff does an incredible job with family baptism. That class will help will help kids articulate the gospel. So we, we do a gospel presentation for them. And then their homework that week is just to kind of rehearse the gospel, you know, daily and to make sure that those kids are understanding and um, their mind is kind of saturated with what that means, um, the good news of what Jesus did on the cross. And then I would say another step is just under a theology of baptism. What What is baptism? You know, is it the thing that saves a kid? If, they, if they're not baptized, are they saved? Well, no, that's not the thing. You know, the Bible doesn't teach us that baptism equals salvation. Um, It's a step of obedience towards professing one's faith, but it's not the thing that will save your kid. And so let that kind of, if that's a burden on your shoulders, parents, like let that lift because whether or not your kid is ready for baptism doesn't mean they are or are not saved. So um, our theology of baptism is that we believe baptism is a symbol. It's symbolic, much like a wedding ring is on on person who's married. You know, can someone wear a wedding ring that's not married? Yes. But for the, someone that is married, they can take their ring off and they're still married. They can put it back on, you know, so it, it's a symbol. And so baptism is a picture to, of, to the church of what is done when someone professes faith in Jesus Christ. And so we, in our baptism class, we'll just share that just like Jesus died and was buried and rose again, uh, a new believer who is alive to their sin and in their flesh, uh, when they profess faith, they they die to their sin. They die to self uh, as self as ruling over their lives, and then they are raised to new life in Christ. And that is symbolic. We show that symbolically by going into the water and then coming back out of the water in new creation. And so we just explain that that's a it's a picture, and it's for everyone to see and to celebrate and to be reminded of their baptism and their identity in Christ. And then we talk about motives for baptism in that class as well. So we kind of define what a motive is. And then we talk about good motives, right motives, and then wrong motives for baptism. So another thing that we really ask parents to be on the lookout for is just the fruit of the Spirit. And yeah. so um, if your child is professing faith, then that means as, as, a, as a young little tree, if you will, you know, like a tree planted by the stream of water, uh, then they will bear fruit. And so begin looking and encouraging and really celebrating fruit in the life of that young believer. Uh, fruit of repentance, fruit of the spirit, patience, self-control, gentleness, kindness, all of those things. And so, you know, at our house, we have these little fruit of the spirit sticks, you know, and we will pull them out and we'll pray and ask God for help to walk in that fruit of the spirit. But then we'll celebrate when we see someone in our family exhibiting that fruit and be like, hey, that is fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's work in your life. That is good, you know? And so that's a really helpful way of, um, you could even, if you're a journaler or documenting it, you can write, you know, you write when you see things in the life of your kid just to encourage them and help them see that God is at work in their life and they are being shaped and changed by um, the Holy Spirit. That's great. I think in some respects, 
uh, judging the readiness of your kid is you got to think about them like you would any other adult. And I think that's hard sometimes to think about your kid just like you would any other person, but your children are people. Yeah. And so if you think, what questions would I ask anybody about the readiness for baptism are some of the best questions for kids. And I think there's some extra ones as well. Chelsea, any thoughts on what Cassie's sharing? Anything uh, that stuck out to you or anything that um, resonated with you as she was talking? Yeah. I love what y'all do with the fruits of the spirit. That's really awesome. And I love that because it's pointing out like God's goodness and yeah. God's God's work. Because a lot of times it's so tempting when we see our kids do something like that to kind of point to them and say, like, you are such a good boy or such a good girl because you're doing these things, but rather to say, oh, wow, like give glory to God. He is at work in you. He is working um, in your heart and uh, molding you into the image of Christ. And so that's super sweet. And you're right, a really important indicator where people feel like maybe their kid is just saying, like regurgitating, you know, Sunday school answers and it's hard to discern. One thought I had is about, you know, for a lot of parents, they'll have a child that is professing faith and it may be a childlike faith, but, you know, the kid can articulate the gospel and says they believe. And there's a fear a lot of parents have that what if I go ahead and, and let my kid be baptized. And then later, years down the road, it's, right. it turns, you know, they wander or, or they, they um, kind of renounce their, their childlike baptism. Cassie, what do you think about that? Or if they end up in the baptismal waters later as an adult saying the first one was not legit and now it is legit. <laughs> well, that's Call best out. case scenario. That's exactly right. That's exactly if, right. Listen, if one of my kids gets baptized when they're 10 and then when they're 25, I'm invited to another baptism. Whether I agree with it or not, I need to just pause and thank God for, you know, yeah. being courageous enough to invite me and to share what's going on and to take that step of faith. So I think yeah. I think that fear is maybe rooted in fear of man or that we did something yep. wrong. And we really yeah. have to remember that God is sovereign over their salvation and their story. And we, we are stewards of that um, and want to encourage them towards that. I, I think a lot of what we see now, in that case, Chelsea, like, you know, people in their 20s getting rebaptized. I was baptized, but I didn't really... I didn't really know. I think that maybe was an error in the church back when we were kids and baptizing any kid, like that kind of rushing mm -hmm. kids to the water, you know, yeah. really quick to inviting kids to making decisions about Christ at vacation Bible schools and at camps. And so then we're kind of leveraging their vulnerability and their, you know, emotional either immaturity or even their childlikeness before they're really ready. And so that's yeah. why we maybe are seeing, you know, 15 years later, a more genuine profession of faith. I think another error maybe is that uh, when kids were baptized, you know, in the 90s, early aughts or whatever, it was kind of like a one and done. And so parents are like, woof, okay, they're saved. I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> Rather than really leveraging that milestone to continue to point them yeah. to their new identity. So, you know, an idea I've given parents at our church is that every year on that date, celebrate what your kid, like celebrate that identity and what they did when they profess their faith. And then maybe evaluate how, how have they grown that year in the Holy Spirit? What is there still to work on? What sin has taken root or bitterness or uh, what habits or, you know, disciplines do they need to continue to work on and what spiritual muscles do they need to strengthen? But I think as parents, if you're constantly reminding your kid of their identity in Christ and how they are a work in progress and they don't have to rededicate their life every year at camp or worry in their, when they get to college or young adulthood that, that that profession wasn't genuine because they will have years behind them of their parents walking with them and showing them 
No, it was genuine. You're just a work in progress. And, you know, your faith when you're 10 is going to look different when you're 16 than when you're 22 and then when you're 30. So I don't know if that answered your question or if now I'm just talking. I'm sorry. No, yeah, that's no, that's great. exactly what okay. I wanted you to talk about was just that we don't we don't want to let that fear hold us back. You know, where a oh. kid is a kid is saying, I'm professing faith and now I want to take this step of obedience, uh, the result of my faith, you know, do we want to hold our kids back because of the fear of something totally hypothetical? Um, I think we want to be really cautious about that and make sure that we are not, like you said, practicing that fear of man of like, what will people think of me as a parent if my kid makes this profession at age 10 and then at age 16, they're rebellious, you know? Um, And I I don't think that the fear is really helpful there. Right. Well, and like, I have that fear as this next gen minister. I'm like, gosh, what if all of my kids don't, what if they don't profess faith or what if they're the last ones to profess faith or whatever? And so I have to check that at the door every time. I mean, we just had a staff member whose kid came to faith and, you know, I was able to celebrate with them genuinely because I can trust God has my kids and a plan for their kids. And we are doing the best we can do, but I'm not in control of their salvation. And the last thing I want to do is manufacture or manipulate so that it looks like something, you know, yeah, or totally. let that get my, my fear get in the way of celebrating what God's doing in other families. That would yeah. rob me of so much joy. Totally. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards. Well, I want to talk for a second about uh, the pressures that can be a part of this, the the peer pressures, the parental pressures. Uh, you mentioned this a second ago, Cassie, with camps. One of the things that sticks out to me, and that the more I get into parenting, uh, the more I see the work I did as a youth pastor through new lenses 
And I'll tell you, I've seen so many youth pastors who feel the pressure to get decisions for Christ in different denominations or baptisms while they're at the ocean camp. And and I've heard from parents who will find out that their kid got baptized while they were at a camp somewhere after the fact, like we didn't even get to know that their kid was a professing faith. Oh, I'd didn't be get so to mad. Know. Oh, I'd be man. so mad. <laughs> I would be so. I would. I would be so sad if it was genuine to know that, like, no one thought to tell me, not yeah. even my kid, and that I didn't get to see it. Yeah, yeah. and that's and that's invited. like selfish. It's a that in that moment, it's about me rather than like celebrating this great thing that happened if it was genuine. But man, I would too. I would be really, really sad to have missed it. Yeah, and at the same time. I don't want some other kids getting baptized in the ocean to be the peer pressure that drives my kid to get baptized. I don't believe that what we need to do is create experiences where a kid will feel like, if I do this, I am becoming part of some uh, group that will be celebrated. That's not why we don't get baptized because other people are doing it or because we're in a cool location or because uh, we just had the opportunity. Youth pastors, if you're listening to this, involve parents in... Yes. baptism. Even if you're getting pressure from the senior pastor to say, how many baptisms did you get while you were at camp? And you feel like that's judging your success. Don't take advantage of a family in order to do that. And I'll tell you the same pressure that I think peers give to kids is the pressure that I see from parents too, that feels like, um, Cassie, you mentioned this. If, if my kid's not baptized yet, but I'm the pastor, oh my goodness, am I going to start to feel pressure? What if my kid never wants to get baptized? Or what if my kid gets baptized and then they're rebellious and they want to get baptized again? What does that say about me? And so I start to pressure my kid in that direction. Or just because I see baptism as a good thing, maybe I start to pressure my kid in that direction thinking, you know, this will, this, this is a good thing. You should consider it. I want mm-hmm. you to take this class. And there's a fine line between peer pressure and leading. I, I get our parent pressure and leading. I want to share an example of, I was really um, touched by, moved by, and challenged by a parent uh, I talked to about uh, probably about eight years ago. I met a man who'd been in youth ministry for decades and decades. And when I talked to him about this question, he said he was not going to baptize his kids until he could not convince them not to get baptized. His rule was, listen, if, if my kid says they want to get baptized and I can do anything to convince them it's a bad idea, they're probably not ready. Because if all they're doing is doing what they think other people are telling them to do or what their dad wants them to do, they're getting baptized because they think dad's approval is on the line or because the church uh, will welcome them. He was saying, I want to try to convince my kid that they might not be ready in this process. And while I don't buy into that entire philosophy that what we need to do is try to convince our kids it's a uh, they're not ready yet. I do think there's a sentiment there that I love that the parent is often tempted in the other direction that you get one little semblance that maybe the Lord is sparking something in your kid and you start driving towards the uh, destination instead of just sitting in the moment with your kid and perceiving like Cassie's walked us through is this a genuine faith in my child. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassie, that's part of the reason your your church has a class for the, for the church worker who's listening to this that maybe doesn't do you have any can you give us some insight into the way that class works or yeah. what is the what is the goal of it any any tips for the person who wants to start it at their own church a family baptism class yeah. Uh, first, I have to give a shout out to Ann Lincoln Hollabaugh because I feel like she really is the professor and she's who crafted the curriculum that we use at the village uses that I imagine church plants at the village use. Um, it's yeah, just so we'll great. we'll have her on sometime. I love Ann Lincoln Hollabaugh. So she needs great. to get on the show. Yeah, It would just, I would be sad if I didn't at least give her that credit. The class, um, it's a three-week class. We just kind of talk about the 
the things that I mentioned earlier. So the first one's an introduction. We just talk about, it's just parents only for that first week. And we walk through, you know, what our church believes about baptism, why we believe baptism is important and something that's, it's a good thing. It's something we want to celebrate. And then we kind of walk through what our process looks like. And ultimately we tell parents like, this is a, this is their decision. Like they, if they are so convicted that their child is ready and when it comes time for the interview, you know, the church, we don't maybe see eye to eye, then they're, as the disciple maker in their home, they're free to pursue, you know, baptism outside of the church. But because it is a sacrament of the church and something we believe uh, is just really important, then we kind of have this process we ask them to go through before we're going to like rush their kids to the baptism waters. So we kind of walk through all of that in the introduction. The second week is a gospel presentation. And we just walk through the story of scripture from like creation uh, to who God was before creation, right? into creation, the fall, and then the promise of a savior, and then what Jesus did for us on the cross and through his death and resurrection. And so we walk through that. We use um, an object lesson with a a ShamWow. Do you know those things that like you like with, right? Um, And we talk about how God absorbed, or Jesus absorbed God's wrath on the cross, like what he did for the believer uh, in that moment. And it's a really powerful lesson. I think it's uh, it's something that, and there's a lot, if you Google or Pinterest, like there's a lot of different, you know, object lessons you can use to teach the gospel and teach that to kids. But uh, we really want them to walk away with an understanding uh, from beginning to end of the gospel. Each week has homework that they're going to be doing at home just to keep their parents part of the discussion. And then the third week is when we talk about what is baptism a theology of baptism. And then uh, we do like a motives game. So we kind of talk about like, what are good, like what are right motives to get baptized? And then what are motives that aren't great? Like, well, because my friend is doing it or because my mom wants me to, um, or because I like being wet and swimming, like that's not a great reason to get baptized. Um, Go to the pool. So uh, that's a three week class. After they complete that class and the homework, we just tell parents, if you think they're ready, then let's set up a time to do an interview. And we do that with the parent. So we sit down with the kid and and the parent. We walk through some questions there. Uh, we have them like draw pictures. It's very interactive. And then after that, we ask them just to go ahead and like, we give them a tool for writing, having the kid write their testimony and what it would look like for them to testify to God's grace in their life. And so but usually, let's say there's 10 families in the class. By the time we're at that point, it's usually three or four. You know, like I would say less than half of the class of the parents would say, yeah, my kid is ready. Most of them say, let's give this six more months or one more year. Let's just wait until we see some more fruit of the spirit or more willing repentance and that kind of thing. And so um, it encourages parents that they're not hopeless. It doesn't mean their kid isn't, you know, saved, but that we don't need to rush this. We It's okay for it to take time. And it's almost a good thing to tell your kid, like, you know, we have to wait for other milestones. And so it's okay to ask your kid, like, let's wait a year for this milestone. It, it builds it up. It gives them something to be excited about. And that's our process. And we are happy to share resources um, if churches want help with that. I mean, any one of us would be happy to, to help with that. Yeah, I love what you said is one of the main questions being uh, the motivation. Uh, like I think that gets to the heart of the pressure questions, the faith questions. Asking a kid, why do you want to be baptized? That gets to the heart of their understanding in that moment. And obviously baptism or faith is not just a cognitive ascent. You're, you're not right. just saying, can they intellectually wrap their mind around the gospel, but we, we do want to know if they understand why they're asking and what yeah. they're asking for. And I think that's a, a wise parental and church question. 
Chelsea, uh, we talk a lot about, when we're talking about family discipleship, we talk about milestones. How do you think, can families celebrate baptism in a way that makes it into a milestone? What's, what's a way that you think that can be done well? Uh, Cassie touched on this earlier, just talking about, you know, remembering it every year, celebrating it every year, whether that's, you know, a special dinner or I, I hope somebody gets great pictures of your child's baptism um, just so that there can be something framed, something really physical to remind them of of that. And um, I think it's so great to kind of like Cassie was talking about, to remind them of their identity, remind them of the bold profession of faith that they made and their identity. And then uh, also to talk about, like, let's look back at the last year and what did you see God do? What did you, what did he do in your heart and in your mind? Um, what did you see him do in your life? And then what are we praying for this year in your walk with God? And uh, what prayers do you want him to answer? And just kind of, kind of just a revisiting of, of it. And then the actual baptism day, I think that's a huge reason to celebrate. Um, we went to a baptism for um, an eight-year-old boy a while back, and it was super sweet because it was done at a swimming pool uh, at a family's house, and they invited, you know, the people who were really important to that child and to their family. And so it was just, it was intimate. He, his uh, ability to share his own story and his own understanding of the gospel was amazing, really blew my mind. And then it was super sweet to have a a bunch of people just kind of rallied around him, not to say, hey, you're so great, but to, to say like, we are so happy um, that mm-hmm. God saves you, saved you and that you understand it and you receive it and, um, and you're ready to follow him. And so everyone just like having adults encourage this child for what God's doing in his life was really special. So, yeah. I love what you said about his story. I, I think one of the things worth mentioning too, sometimes parents feel like, um, because the baptism stories of the adult is always, it feels like follows this formula of like, and then I got to college and then I partied and I drank and I slept around. And then eventually I came to know the Lord and now I'm getting baptized. And you may feel like because your kid is seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, oh, their story doesn't have that yet. And it's probably coming. And therefore I'm going to hesitate. And I think that is the fear of the hypothetical that we're talking about. And Cassie, I assume that when you're talking about the family baptism class, when it comes to a teenager, you just send them to like uh, the adult baptism class, right? At what age do you guys make that cutoff? Yeah, by the time our kids are in student ministry, we'd encourage them to attend the baptism class that our members go through if they're not baptized or a new believer would go through. And we just ask the parent go with them so that if they have questions or the parent can kind of go alongside. We still do, I mean, even for adults, they write out their testimony. And then for a student, they would still go through a baptism interview. That's great. That's helpful. Because I want to make sure that a lot of what we're talking about is with younger kids that are that are processing these things. But certainly for teenagers, this is a big question as well of, of still in my household, what is the genuineness of the faith that you're claiming? Uh, Cassie, any next steps that you suggest for parents whose kids are clearly not ready? I mean, just keep discipling them. Keep praying and asking God to open their eyes to see their need for Jesus and um, to want to follow Jesus and give their life to Him and and be patient. Don't rush it. Like it's it's okay if they're not there yet. And then when they are, I think we're, you know, it's that balance of not rushing it, but also not quenching the work that God is doing. So I think caution yourself against skepticism. I think your kids will pick up on that. If if they feel like you don't believe what they're saying about their convictions or maybe what God is doing in their little hearts, then they might pick up on that. And that would be really sad um, to quench the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of your kid because you might be skeptical or uh, maybe more rigid on like, 
I would caution against any rigid rules of like, no, you're not going to get baptized till you're 13 or anything like that. Because we had a kid during the pandemic, this sweet girl, third grade girl, and she wanted to be baptized. She did not, she just could not wait. I mean, she was like, it was so evident that God had done a work in her life during the pandemic and really freed her from a lot of anxiety and some stuff with some school. And uh, she came to faith, went through the baptism class and we had just started maybe meeting back in person and we're socially distanced. And so we ended up getting one of those giant um, like feed tubs, you know, and out on our deck, uh, we just filled it with warm water and we just sat out chairs and she gave her testimony. And when we asked her why she wouldn't be baptized and why, you know, why she didn't want to wait, why she didn't want to wait. She was like, I want my friends to know. I want the whole church to know that I follow Jesus and that he has rescued me from my anxiety and I don't have to worry about my grades, about the pandemic, about, it was just so sweet. And anyway, all that to say, I think that if we had said, let's wait until the pandemic's over or whatever, it might just feel like you're quenching that work and not, you know, so timing is a, is a thing you have to trust the Holy Spirit with and really have discernment about, I think. I was just going to say, especially because uh, you don't ever know when a pandemic is going to end. So you don't <laughs> right. want to put anything big off to the end of the pandemic. <laughs> right. Well, and I don't think our I don't think our Lord honestly is so rigid in his rules that he's looking at us going, Hey, I gave you I, I saved you and I gave you months to get baptized. What's your deal? <laughs> no. You know, why why didn't you wait? Uh, uh, there's a whole lot more we could talk about with baptism about yeah. why why people feel a drive to do it in private, why why we think it's a good idea to do with community, with church around you. And different traditions are gonna think about this differently. I know we're expressing what our tradition looks like and how we practice it as we believe the scriptures called us to. But other people will too, will talk about the spontaneous baptisms you see in the Bible. And why wouldn't we just do that? And I think there's a, where there's an opportunity for wisdom and questions and where you live with this person full time who lives in your household, you have a really unique opportunity to process these things with them. And you don't have to feel like, man, what if, what if they get a car accident tomorrow and I was mm-hmm. waiting on their baptism? Our Lord is not shaking his head, crossing his fingers, wondering what your plan is going to be for your kid. If he saves your kid, that's his grace. That's his mercy. We can celebrate that and take a step of obedience to baptize them uh, when it's appropriate. But there's not a difference in salvation uh, Mm -hmm. in my mind or in my heart or what I read in the scripture between whether their kid is saved and whether they are saved but not baptized yet. Yeah. I think too, like they're, they're not to forget the public profession part of that it's so edifying for the body to see and it's so encouraging for the community of believers. And so even if it's not the whole church, even if it's a group of people at a pool or backyard, there is something about it being a gathering of people that get to be edified by that testimony and get to be encouraged by the work that God's done in the life of a child. Because I know I was saved at a young age and it's really encouraging for people to see God move in the life of a kid and then give them this, a testimony of protection and this, that, that, the work of the Holy Spirit being sealed in the life of a kid, that's, that's huge. And so for the, the church to be encouraged by that, um, I think it's important, you know, even if kids are a little nervous about giving their testimony and we do our best to like kind of, you know, calm their nerves and equip them the best we can. I was like, it's okay to be nervous. It's a big deal. But I don't know that being nervous is a good reason to just do it in private with just your family, because I think you're missing out on the opportunity for the entire church to celebrate and to remember what God does through baptism. So full plug for doing it at church. Well, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on social media. Thanks for listening. And if you think 
Discipling your family is as important as we think it is. Give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast and share this episode with one of your friends. We'll see you next time.